One of the most helpful things I've learned is that I'm not alone. You're not alone. And as we open up to the right people, we'll see our communities grow bigger and stronger. If you find this video helpful, please support us by liking and subscribing. And if you know someone this video can help, please pass it their way. My mission is to help make the world a safer place by sharing with you the stories that saved me. So your dad was your best friend? Yeah, my dad was my best friend. My first best friend. Like, he taught me how to be selective about the type of people that I was around. Mm. And he would, like, he would be protective of me because, you know, I'm a daddy's girl. And he was always right whenever it came to, like, intuition and judging like my friends but he would keep quiet about it what are some of the values that he taught you that you carry on to this day try to be nurturing trying to hold space for people trying to understand them and um help where you can you know try to give back to the community when you can and trust your judgment yeah. like when whenever you have like a hesitation about something don't do it there's a reason why and almost every time that I tried to overlook my intuition, I was like, damn, why did I do that to myself? Why did I put myself in this situation? That happens to me every single time. Every time something's like, don't do that, and then I do it, I'm like, damn. Yeah, and <sighs> I'd be going back to my dad, like, yeah, this happened. My dad's like, like, yeah, you know, why did you, why didn't you pay attention to that part of you that was saying these things? You should validate that. Pretty much the way he treated me, I tried to give it back to him as well. It was a give and take. And I mean, of course he was more of the giver and I was more of the taker. <laughs> but um, he tried to give me good childhood experiences and knew not to take things personally but also knew when to give me a caution. He was a very empathetic person and he didn't brag about it. He was always humble about the ways he helped people. He didn't really try to feel that others knew what he was doing. He just did it. My dad was good at making people feel safe, no matter what age.
and there's a sense of feeling taken care of that was always present and now I don't feel that <laughs> the world is scary <laughs> and he really loved taking care of people and I think it was because he was so independent and he knew how to take care of himself. He wanted me to learn how to take care of myself and be good to myself. And with the downfall of that, he didn't know how to accept help. He was ashamed of asking for help and he there was pride behind that because he just didn't want to be the person being taken care of he wanted to be the person that took care of people he didn't want to be a bother he didn't want to be a bother ever yeah he didn't want all that attention he wanted to be always a part of a team a community of people he didn't want to be the center of anything and then when he got sick, when he was diagnosed with cancer, as the disease progressed, he had to accept that help. Yeah. The daily things that your body can do, he wasn't able to do eventually and he told me that it was hard to be a baby again <laughs> and feeling powerless I think that was his power like giving care yeah and for six months you had to yeah I had to take care of him did he accept it at first? He was still trying to have the dynamic of give and take. I remember I was driving him around a lot to several appointments. And even though he was tired or he was having a hard time walking, he still made me breakfast. Mm. And he would say, this one morning he said, okay, so you've been driving me around, so I cooked your favorite. Which is? <laughs> is bacon and rice and banana ketchup. That's good. It was a good meal. Yeah. And he was a good cook. Before he was diagnosed, things were like slow. It was still the pandemic. My dad was going to work still. Didn't get COVID the whole time. And then once these symptoms started to arise, that's when we started picking up the pace even more. And it wasn't about thinking, it was just more about reacting.
to what's going on right now and to be attentive and there were more appointments there were more mornings and nights where I would have to bring him to the hospital there were times where I had to drain his lungs and it was pretty gnarly uh, seeing all of that but it was also very interesting to see how far the medical technology has progressed over the years so he had a port in his chest and there was just so much fluid building up that I would and we would have to drain his chest so he could breathe better because whenever he was lying down flat he felt like he was drowning mm -hmm. and I every few hours my mom and my aunt, we would have to check his vitals, make sure everything is okay. And for someone who was really independent and someone who wanted to stay strong, there were times where he admitted that he was scared. And He was scared of sleeping by himself because he didn't know whether it was going to be a sleep that he never woke up from. When, when the guy who made you feel safe told you, I'm scared, how did that feel? I... I was right there with him. I was, I was scared with him. <laughs> when he, when I, he, when he told me that, there was a part of me that wanted to comfort him, but I knew that that wasn't the response that he needed because it's, it wouldn't be realistic. It, so he he always wanted to be real. He always told me, even like growing up throughout my adolescence, he would always tell me, "Be for real, Elisa. <laughs> be for real. Come on. Why would you do that?" And so it just didn't make sense to tell him that everything was okay. I just told him, you know, we're doing what we can. We're here for you. We're trying to make life comfortable and make sure you're comfortable and we just have to see how things go day by day. At first he didn't want to accept it. He didn't, I mean he didn't even tell me that he had cancer. I brought him in to get an x-ray and then he got the results where it was saying 
like my dad pretty much had lesions like or tumors throughout his body already and I didn't really understand that I was just because of the medical lingo I was like okay my dad just has to go to the hospital and get this fixed up and removed you know he's gonna get the care that he needs but he already knew he was like I got got <laughs> the final six months of his life he it was just straight decline and comorbidities kept popping up and we would have to take care of that it was always about trying to keep him comfortable and make sure that we were attentive but there was just so much at that point the the cancer really progressed and he lost weight he couldn't breathe on his own he had a in he had a line for oxygen at home and He was definitely trying to hang on. And he, the basic abilities that our bodies have just became more and more limited. And He really struggled with accepting help, but then later on, he understood that he needed the help and that it was our time to really step it up. And during the last days, everything was fine. Everything seemed as if he was going to be okay and his life was going to be prolonged. The quality of life wasn't going to be the greatest, but it was sustainable enough. And we were already getting used to how many times he might have had to be in the hospital and hospitalized. So we were already getting, it, was, it became a routine it was a sick routine. It was a routine that no one should ever go through. And the night that it happened, I remember, well, the night before, he was already hospitalized for a couple of days. We brought him in a few days before New Year's because he had some sort of infection going on. And the night before it happened, I was going through his wallet and I just felt wrong going through his wallet. I was going through his wallet so I can get his health insurance information, but I felt really wrong that night for going through it, I was like, I shouldn't be touching this right now. And then later that night, 
I just started bawling. And I, I sent my dad this really long text of telling him I was proud of him and that he's really strong, even though he didn't feel physically strong. Mentally, he was such a strong person and that it was an honor and it's been an honor being his daughter and we were he was always in communication even when he was in the hospital like we would video chat and stuff but that night the night that I felt something was wrong. I think that was like my intuition. And um, when I woke up the next morning, I saw that he didn't read it. And then I got a call from his doctor saying that I needed to go to the hospital and that it was urgent. And when I got to the hospital, there were social workers in the room, pretty much coming up with a bereavement plan for me and his loved ones. And I didn't really understand because I just didn't understand that my dad was already unresponsive. And there was still a little bit of hope left, hoping that he was gonna pull through and just like wake up. Um, but no, he, his, his breathing started to slow down. Heart rate started to slow down. It was like he was asleep because it, it sounded like he was snoring a little bit. And his, like, there were moments of him moving, but that was just because the spinal cord sending signals still. But I would ask the doctor if there really was no hope. And they said that they administered something to check for brain activity and there was no response. And when He when he had no more heartbeat, I just couldn't believe that this was me, that this is happening to me. And I couldn't believe that my dad's soul 
like left his body that night. And I knew that a lot of different emotions were gonna be coming out. But I didn't know that it was gonna be emotions that were so unfamiliar. Emotions that I've never even expressed. And emotions that were gonna be unfamiliar to a lot of people. And that's the thing about grief, it's so personal. And to this day, I feel that I'm still struggling with trying to have an identity outside of being the person grieving, being the daddy's girl without the dad anymore, and trying to figure out what I need, what I want, what helps me feel safe. And trying to listen to my intuition again, just because at a certain point, you know, you, you feel you're certain of life, you're certain of all of these things. But once you experience seeing someone go through that, see, seeing someone die in front of you, all of those things you were certain about, it's out the window. So after my dad passed, it was a lot of attention. A lot of attention that I was not used to a lot of attention that my dad probably wouldn't be used to. <laughs> and eventually that fades out. People start to assume things for you. People start to just say, oh, I don't think Melissa wants to talk about that right now. I don't want to bring that up. Or it, it was either being too sensitive to my situation or being just downright insensitive. And, you know, a way that I would cope for like maybe the first two years, I was always doing dead dad jokes. <laughs> I remember those. It was bad. I'd be like, oh. I wanted to, I was like, <laughs> let's all cringe with me. Let's all do this because I am in this part of my life right now. And, you know, my friends just had to take it. They're, I think a lot of my friends, my close ones really, they don't know what to say and that's okay. I think it's not good to assume that the person who's grieving is okay. And I think it's good to check in when you can. But I also understand that it's draining. People don't want to talk about loss. People don't want to talk about grieving. And I think, yeah, like I don't want to talk about that either, but I would like to talk about what 
the the interactions that they had with my dad or what they thought was funny that I shared about my dad just because it keeps him alive just be just because I'm looking a certain way doing these things it doesn't mean that I'm all right and it's really just a performance sometimes. How are you self-caring? <laughs> Lately, it hasn't been well. <laughs> and I think there are just gonna be times where I just have to lean into the, the feeling of feeling empty and lost because I just have to confront what is going on and then try to find out what it means to take care of me. A lot of the things that I didn't wanna feel, I'm feeling now. <laughs> and it's, surprising how many different emotions come with grief. And it just brings out so much out of a person. Just simply coexisting. I, For me, I don't really expect a lot. I just, just having company. I don't, because sometimes I don't even know how to interact with anything because I'm so numb or just in a haze. And I don't. Sometimes just having that body next to you. So, yeah, just we having that. To, we don't need to talk. We don't need to. No, I just want to be chilling and just. <laughs> This is another person in my space, all right? And this is me in my own space. Like, it could be simple. It's just a way to slow down because we're always doing something. I think what really made me feel safe was, I don't know, my dad would just be seeing me like sort of depressed and just would be like, let's go, let's go out. Sometimes I just need to be dragged out. Um, even though like I don't want to leave sometimes. But I know that nowadays a lot of things require work <laughs> and effort. <laughs> especially with like being in adulthood now. Yeah. You got to work for every single thing. Yeah. And that also means maintaining friendships and relationships. Yeah. But I think it's also important that we all do it when we can. And we all, like I wouldn't want someone to be there when they couldn't be there for me. And um, I just think people telling me that, yeah, it is an awkward time. Like it's okay that you're, you're confused because I feel that 
I'm still used to wanting to perform and act as if nothing is messy, but a lot of things are really messy in my life. <laughs> That's not just you, don't worry, it's everybody. Yeah, like, I feel like everyone pretends that everything's okay, but every time I ask somebody if life is going exactly how they planned, or if, every time I ask somebody whether or not their life is messy, everyone's just like, yeah, it's messy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> there are times though to have that conversation because it's just like, you're already so in the mess. <laughs> that it's like, do I even need to explain it? So sometimes, I don't know, I think it's just having people be present and uh, I have to also learn not to isolate and be okay with not feeling as strong. 